Hello, hello, and hello! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when? And today, I am so so honored to introduce you today my special guest, David Bachman. Hello. <laughs> He is oh my god, so incredible from so many ways, and let me tell you why. First of all, he is a superstar in Austin improv community, and before Austin, David he involved in all the comedies around the world. For example, he was artistic director in Amsterdam. Wow, how cool! And he involved in one of my favorite favorite theater in Chicago, the Second City, and、uh, he was the senior. Producer at one of the most most the funniest festival in town, comedy festival. And today he is the executive producer at Cotown Theater, where he teach, perform, direct, and that's actually how we met.、Um, I attend one of Dave's class、uh, last year, and oh my god, I am blown away. I learned so much at class. He seriously so wise, so. Much insight, but yet so kind, loving, and grounded. So today I am so honored. Thank you so much, Dave, for joining me. Be my guest today. Thank you for those lovely words. They're very.、Um, I'm trying to practice re- receiving them、uh, <laughs> and not、uh, trying to like have it overwhelm me with like shame or guilt.、Um, so thank you for saying those nice things. Of course, I I'm truly honored, Dave. You are one of the person I really admire since I moved to Austin. I I just think you have such a beautiful story to share, and I really cannot wait to share those with my audience. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, so yeah, so let's get started. Um, obviously you've done a lot of comedy in your life, right? Love to learn how do you get started. How do you get started with comedy? Um. Yeah. Do you always wanted to be comedian? Yeah, I think I did. Um, I liked the attention I got when I、uh, made other people laugh when I was a kid, <laughs> and all of my heroes when I was growing up were comedians like Robin Williams and Dan Aykroyd,、um, and the Marx Brothers. And so I was just really drawn to、um, kind of an,、um, a no rules kind of comedy.、Um, they really appealed to me. Bill Murray a lot in Stripes. Um, very loose, and it turns out all of my. I start researching all these people.、Um, they all have an improv background, and a lot of them are from this place called the Second City, and some of them are from、mm-hmm. this place called the Groundlings.、Um, mm-hmm. And so, the more I learned about who I liked, every single person I enjoyed came from improv,、uh, on some level or another, like Jonathan Winters、mm-hmm. or.、Um, Uh, John Rivers, Robert Klein,、um, and those are the people I gravitated towards. So, but why? You mentioned first you love when you make people laugh.、Mm-hmm. You also like no rule.、Mm-hmm. But why do you like those things? Are you looking for freedom,、mm-hmm. or why that inspire you? Why、oh, that take? I don't know. Hard take. I think I like, I like the chaos. I, I'm very calm in chaos.、Um, Interesting. I'm not. Afraid of it. One of my favorite places、um, is Amsterdam on a Saturday night because it's like 
uh, Hell's Waiting Room. Um, what? Amsterdam. <laughs> Tell us more. Night. It's like a quarter of the population of the city. It's their last night in Amsterdam. So they're going all for it. And it's very chaotic. And I really enjoy it. That's why I like going down to 6th Street in Austin, which is the closest mm-hmm. that I can come to being back in Amsterdam mm-hmm. on a Saturday night. Because it's that that crazy chaos that I just feel it calms me. And I don't know why, but I think. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you always say that? That's such a unique unique characteristic and i can see why that made you successful as comedian today because you like that cloud you like the Mm -hmm. the busyness in terms of you know people sounds like that energy made you calm yeah it does make me calm makes me very calm um -hmm. it um i don't know why i you know i went to a a quaker school for my first 10 years uh what is a quaker uh, quakers are a very peaceful uh people uh, most of them are in um, central Pennsylvania, like, like mm-hmm. kind of like the Amish. Um, but they're okay. a, little, a little more modern than that. Uh, uh, um, Wait, how old were you? How do you? I went first grade through tenth grade. I went to I went to a Quaker school. They're very popular in the Northeast. I grew up in New Jersey, and there's Got a lot it. in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and New York and DC. The president's kids usually go to a friend's school. They're called uh, friend schools. Um, so I went to one, and you know, being educated by, in, by Quakers, you know, it was, it was not a denominational school, but there's a little, you know, Quaker philosophy was still there. And it's very, you know, um, be serene, uh, be solemn, um, don't fight, uh, very, very, very pro-peace, very pro-anti-fighting mm-hmm. uh, rules. So do you think that experience shape you oh, as who you 100%. are? hundred percent. I don't think I would have been the same person if I went um, to a different school. Um, which I did go to my junior and senior year of high school. I went to the public school in town, which is a really good, Ooh, which is a really good high school. I got <laughs> what happened. <Ooh. laughs> um, I got expelled from uh, that Quaker school. Um, yeah, I was, Aren't you supposed to be calm? Yeah, I was a bit of a troublemaker too. I liked hanging out with the bad kids. The bad kids um, got created less than the good kids, I guess. So I gravitated mm. and I can make them laugh and they were very funny. And, mm. um, you know, I'm always drawn to the funny people, no matter where I am. <laughs> I've, been a fr- I've been friends with some real jerks and assholes, um, but they're very, very funny. So I kept them as friends because I will, mm-hmm. I will suffer a jerk uh, only if they're funny. In the... <laughs> wow, that's a strong commitment when you're in high school, <laughs> where you don't even know the world yet. But at that moment, you just knew this is what you were drawing to. Yeah, I mean, I like danger and I like <laughs> I liked being bad. I like being thought of as being one of the bad boys, but I really wasn't. I was a really sweet kid. That mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we just you know a, a series of things uh, led to my dismissal of, at that school. Um, but you know, I, people I went to school with there, there's only a few dozen of us that went um, through that school together. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're like family. So I don't. There's no. Oh. No love lost uh, there. Uh, oh. But then I went, you know, and so. So what happened? Now you go to high school and this moment, mm-hmm. you know, like any other you know, high school student, you would have to decide a path or yeah. a major or university. Yeah, I was a theater kid. I would do, I like doing plays a lot in high school. So you already know you are in theater. Yeah. That's not even. Yeah, I, I, even try, I even tried stand-up at this point. Um, 
because I'm really bad at I, I'm not a good stand up. Um, so that that I, I'm curious, is that a hard choice for me in terms of does your parents like support you? Is everyone else around you like I'm curious because hmm. it's something that you know obviously is deep in your heart. You're so passionate about, but yeah. I imagine today this major is not very quote unquote conventional route, right? How do you just have that gut, have that courage to say, you know what, this is why I love. I'm gonna do this.、Mm. I don't care what people say or what the conventional wisdom or whatnot that means. Well, my degree is in、uh, literature and cinema studies. Wow! So I studied movies as if they were great works of literature, which was basically the major that I chose because. Out of all, I've done all my core classes, my senior, sophomore year, it's time to pick a major. That's the one that I was closest to,、uh, and、uh, even though there was only four people in that department, they were closing the department in a couple of years. Wow! I still, he, the 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 head of the department asked me to please not do this. <laughs> I was like, look, I just need to get, I just need to finish college, and I had almost,、oh、almost like halfway there, so this is the one I'm going to do right now. Uh, but I did, you know, I minored in theater and I started an improv troupe and I did plays.、Uh, so I was like an unofficial theater、mm-hmm. uh, kid, even though I was in the literature department. Wow! So, so even though you know the school just already asked you, please drop this major, <laughs> but you're like, no, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm doing this, and because I'm just going to experience college the way I want to and get out of here alive.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Will you never question your? Choice, David, because at that point you were still youngish, right?、Yeah. Still trying to figure it out life. But sounds like every choice, every decision you make is very, very targeted to exactly <laughs> what you want. Well, is that a difficult? Nothing else really appealed to me as a, as an area of study.、Um, and I think, and there's nothing else I felt that good at as I did when、mm-hmm. I was performing on stage or working on a, a production. Even you know, even doing、mm-hmm. the lights. Uh, for a show, or、um, the like, being the assistant director or the prop、mm-hmm. guy backstage, I, I was still part of a bigger production, which I really enjoyed and loved.、Mm-hmm. What's a big production like means to you? You obviously love throughout this, you know, how you grow up and how involved, and now you made you in college. This is very obvious path to you. What does that mean? Is it like a fire in your heart? Is it? Just like a best friend that you just cannot stop talking to, is it like what? What is it? Oh, I, I don't know. It's the thing that <laughs> it's the little thing inside you that like lights up when you're doing it.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I know comedy、mm-hmm. and theater is not a path to the money,、mm-hmm. but it filled me with such a sense of accomplishment and joy and.、Mm-hmm. Um, Community, belonging,、mm-hmm. and safety.、Uh, that I didn't think about doing anything else with my life other than go to、mm-hmm. where the comedy was. So, Dave, you mentioned right, comedy is not a conventional path. If you you know want money or that sort of、uh, things, but that never a difficult choice for you. You always knew that. Yeah, because I, you know, I did. I've done lots of office jobs. Lots of oh,、uh, mm-hmm. office assistant、mm-hmm. jobs, office management jobs. I've done lots of waiting tables jobs,、uh, cooking、mm-hmm. jobs. I've been a cook. I've been a delivery guy, and you know those are the kind of jobs that you do for two、mm-hmm. or three or four years, and then it kind of supplements this other life that you have, 
you're mm-hmm. using, like using your downtime mm-hmm. to uh, fill yourself at night and on the weekends. <laughs> you are amazing, babe. I just I just love your love to to comedy to improv to it, it just so, such a beautiful beautiful um story so tell me so now you graduate from college so so tell me about the rest of the story um so i stuck around in washington dc for a couple of extra years um with this improv troupe that i had started in, in college my senior year and i just kind of hung out on campus running this improv troupe and i wasn't a student anymore <laughs> working on campus um, in like the CD video store uh, on campus. Mm-hmm. and, you know, still hanging out for an extra two or three years like I was a college student. Um, but really, my only real job in my mind was running this improv troupe full of theater students. Mm-hmm. And I think that club is still there on campus mm-hmm. 20 years later, 25 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so how do you get yourself to Amsterdam? Uh, well, I did two and a half years in Chicago first. I think, oh, okay. I think what happened was I was doing a show for college students and doing like short form games. Improv games mm-hmm. and, oh, I love them. The, yeah, the ones that you'd see like on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yeah, they're so fun. And it was so easy for me to get laughs. It was just too easy. I was not having fun anymore <laughs> because it was just like, I know how to do this with my eye. I wasn't even paying attention to the show anymore <laughs> while I was doing it oh, and gosh. killing. And I thought, there's got to be something more than this. This, because mm-hmm. it's so magical. There's and um, Wait, but you already you already achieved the two goals you wanted. It. You get people to laugh, you get audience, you get crowd. That is what made you drawn to improv in the yeah. first place. At, at that point... How do you start realize you want more? It, what is it wasn't that challenging anymore. It was boring. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I knew that there, I was like, there's got to be more to improv than just this. So mm-hmm. I basically throw all my stuff in a van and move uh, to Chicago. Wait, without any plan? Without knowing anything about uh, I knew that Chicago? The, I, well, I knew that Second City was uh, a thing there and I knew I had to go do that whatever that was wow so, was that an easy decision for you that sounds pretty like you don't even know what's happening you just pack and leave well no well this the, the troop had made like some money doing gigs that they sent me to Chicago on like an exploratory um, mm. mission to kind of check it out and one of the adjunct faculty members was roommates with this guy named Annie Erringer <laughs> In mm-hmm. Chicago was doing Chicago improv stuff at Second City. So I slept mm-hmm. on this guy's couch for a week. <laughs> and I just I I just went to every show I could. I saw an annoyance show. I saw an improv mm-hmm. Olympic show. I saw a second city oh. show. Uh, mm-hmm. Second City set. Um, mm-hmm. and just like filled my days with for a week. I'm like, oh my God, this is it's like every night it's like this. <laughs> and so it I'm about I would say less than three months later, I was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Wow. You're just drawing to the next level, the next challenge. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the um, women from my theater department at college had moved to Chicago and her downstairs neighbor needed a roommate. That guy, <laughs> wow. What a small that guy. That guy ended up being on a show called Ugly Betty for many years. 
Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. And by the way, I love Second City. In case you did not know, I took、uh, maybe two levels、mm-hmm. there. And remember、uh, my, my class on Sunday. Sunday is my favorite day. Like, I will go to class at six, you know, I think it's 11 or 12 o'clock. And after afternoon, they have all the shows,、yeah. you know, maybe not the most popular, whatnot, but I don't care. I watch like three,、mm-hmm. four before I head home, like five, six o'clock. And I just could not stop laughing. My, my stomach hurts. Yeah. It, it was like, I always look forward to Sunday. It was just awesome. I love Second City. I love the Starbucks right next to it,、yeah. which opened 24 7、yes. hours. <laughs> That used to be an Arby's <laughs> when I got there. I was my first meal was at Starbucks, but it was an Arby's.、Um, my first <laughs> Chicago meal. Oh, do you like、and、it? <laughs> Starbucks is where I got hired for Boom Chicago as well. Oh. I had a meeting. The lady I replaced uh, uh, interviewed、mm-hmm. me there. That's crazy. Wow. Okay.、Oh. So tell us more about that journey. So you were in Chicago, now you got hired for Boom Chicago, and then what happened?、Um, yeah. So I'm in Chicago, I'm doing improv. Uh, doing all the classes I can. I'm on troops. I'm directing plays.、Um, and then I meet,、um, I took classes from this guy named Mick Napier,、mm-hmm. um, uh, who's the head of the Annoyance Theater and maybe the best improv teacher I've ever had. Wow.、Uh, he's definitely my mentor.、Um, wow. I, I would take it. You、um, are mine, by the way. But continue. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's sweet. Um, uh, so he asked me to be an assistant director for him on a Second City main stage show. I had worked there at Second City as a, as a host, as an usher, as a、uh, night manager.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I had left. Was it what you want at that time? Well, Was that a big break that you're hoping?、Uh, w- 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 which one? So, you said、uh, your mentor at the time asked you to be、yeah. assistant director. You said before that you were usher, you were doing you know, different things at Second City.、Um, is that position where you wanted it? Yeah, I mean, I, I really wanted to direct. I liked directing more, I think, than performing, I was finding out.、Um, and、uh, I really looked up to him as a director because he was a director and he was going to start a new show.、Um, mm-hmm. And he, he, he approached me. At a barbecue, at a Labor Day barbecue, and said, I heard, I heard you're directing a play. I said, Yeah. He says, I didn't, I didn't know you wanted to be a director. I said, Yeah, I want your job. <laughs> I want to be directing a play. And I think he's taken aback, but the next week he called me and asked me if I had an assistant director. And I keep going back to that moment thinking that's the moment that changed my life.、Um, because why? Because had I not been so bold as to try to be snarky and say, Yeah, I want your job, I don't think he ever would have asked me, or he wouldn't even have known that I was interested. And、um, two weeks after that show opened, I was in Amsterdam.、Uh, wow. And just to unpack that moment a little bit, were you at that, up to that point before that barbecue on that Labor Day,、mm-hmm. would you always at that moment make, make that you mind that you, I, you want to be a director? Was it already become the director? I had always been the director of whatever group I was in or the leader of whatever comedy group I was in at that point. And I, Mm-hmm. I actually liked it more than performing at that point, I think, because、Why? I think I like being the guy in the audience that orchestrated this whole thing and nobody knows it was me. That's why I liked producing. That's so interesting. You just said you like being in the crowd. You like making people laugh. I do like, people, you... I do like making people laugh and I do enjoy being in an improv show.、Uh-huh. But to be able to orchestrate something like a, the whole production, 
mm-hmm. and be responsible for all of those laps. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the mm-hmm. certain part of the anonymity of being in the crowd, I'm just mm-hmm. in the crowd, and being in my own laughter is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that this is your love in the next level. Now you want to, you know, orchestra the whole show. And at that moment, you knew that's what you wanted. When you ask, do you hesitate? Or you think, you know what, I'm going to tell him what I want. What, what do you prepare that moment in your mind before? Or no, is it just natural? Come that was an improvised you? moment that I don't know where that came <laughs> from. And certainly completely out of character for me to ask for what I want or what I need. Um, but Why? I don't know why. It's <laughs> a good question. It's uh, uh mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, at some level, I have that little person in my head that kind of is my own critic that says I don't deserve things or nobody wants. We all have yeah, that, of course, right? So, uh, how do you get over that, Dave? You gotta, you gotta learn to ignore him or her or they. How? Um, how do you ignore it? I think I think we all always our biggest credit and I think people who truly you know follow their path and then step into their own light whatever that things for them whether it's comedy whether it's um any goal anything that they wanted to do you almost have to get over that hurdle yes. that self-credit in order to do so so I think that's just so critical um it, for us to become the best version of ourselves so I'm curious if you have any tricks and tips to share it's being okay to fail it's being okay to fail. It's it's, it's being it's able so to hard. live with disappointment. It's being able to live with not uh, hitting your goal, but having that not discourage you from getting back at the bat and taking another swing with everything that you know, like not getting it uh, in your psyche emotionally, and just like, mm-hmm. all right, that happened. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, you're only gonna hit the hit it. Two out of five mm-hmm. times. Um, just take a good swing next time. Would you say that is a huma- hum- humility of being a good comedy preparing you for that? Because, yeah. you know, true being told, being comedy, you can just make people laugh all the time. Like you said, maybe two out of five, it will land or not. Is, do, you think that, is, do you think that shape you? Yeah. Um, I think, so you have that mentality yeah. and be okay with not perfect? I learned it in improv. I think being, being the... Um, the person that loses in a scene or being the low status is hard for a lot of people. Um, and as soon as I was able to tap into playing low status and knowing where those laps are, it made it easier to take it on in real life without it compromising going forward. Interesting. Wait, so I want to make sure <laughs> what you said. That's so cool. Thank you. You, you are practicing being a low status in a you know show or you know a, a performance mm-hmm. so basically mentally you prepare for that so in real life hey it's okay i already practiced it i know how i feel so i'm okay with yeah it. that one didn't work out okay but you know let's adapt and change and uh um i love learn that. from it and you know take a better swing next time mm-hmm. i love that which is all you want that- out of that low status character in a scene anyway is for them to try again Mm-hmm. so you know what I mean it's, it's I, I feel like it's like a mental prepare like for folks who are maybe not in comedy maybe you want to you know use the same um, tactic in a different way you can literally just I imagine if today I am go out 
I don't know, hit a golf ball, which I don't <laughs> do that. But I imagine you probably want mentally prepare how the actual scene will go. Maybe it hit, maybe it didn't. But if you in your mind prepare for that, yeah. I think you will be more prepared and more relaxed because you already know the both outcome and be cool with either and give it best you, shot. That you have day. to take it. You have to take ten thousand swings before you even know what you're doing and why mm-hmm. why you hit it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about the ten thousand swings. So <laughs> up to this point, you practice comedy a thousand nights, like ten thousand or more nights. Like that is that help you become who you oh, are? Oh yeah, for sure. I don't. I don't. Was it hard? That that's a lot of hard work. Is it hard for you, or it never a question for you? Like hard work, it just naturally come to you. Oh no, I had to work very hard at it. I had to work very hard at it. Uh, it I know took you me are. years and years to even understand what I was doing. Um, in fact, I was at Boom Chicago before I even really knew what I was doing with comedy. Um, what keep you going? Like, it was hard. It was not easy. You wasn't even know what you're doing at that point, but you just keep hitting hard every single night, every single gig. Mm-hmm. What keep you going? Um, I liked being a student of it. I wanted to learn how it worked. I wanted to, mm-hmm. I wanted to get better laughs. I wanted to feel like I knew exactly. I wanted to be a master chef of comedy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you gotta be okay mm-hmm. with the like the long ruts um and those make the nights when you hit it really hard or the or the the, the, the winning streaks you get of like mm-hmm. when you feel like you can't even do a bad show if you tried uh so much worth it because you went through hard wow. parts and stuck with it you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious dave you know along that journey before you like you mentioned you know now you're so good, you cannot even make a back show, even even you try it. Before you get there, is there a moment that you doubt about yourself? Am I ever going to make it? It, it? Is it even all worth it? All this hard work I put together, it, is this the right thing? Like, do you ever hesitate for just a small spread of second? Uh, hesitate with, like, my... The, the hard working, the keep going, this is the right path. If it's the right path for me, because you said... Before you become so great, right? You had to hit a ten thousand yeah. uh, swing. So before you get there, along the way, you were not probably the best at that no. moment. You probably trying so hard, but you wasn't the best. Right? Is that hard? Is it a moment that you felt you cannot do this anymore? You 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 doubt about mm. your choice, and you just not sh- you kind of felt little. Uh, there's never a place where I got to where I felt like I needed to stop improvising. I got to a place why I didn't like what I was improvising. I didn't like my choices. I didn't know why I was Wait, bad. Why? Um, but it, it never occurred to me to stop because I felt like there's something on the other side. And every time I felt that way about my improv, there was something really mm-hmm. beautiful and strong on the other mm-hmm. side of that that made me understand it on a much deeper level. Um, and usually, you know, it's the things you have to go through in your life. The things that you... Ha- are not good at improv with are the things that you can't do well in life. And so once you conquer them in your life, the improv part of it, of that gets so much more easier to, to handle. And so I wasn't always a very good listener. I wasn't always a very good um, empathizer. I wasn't always a very good mm-hmm. um, collaborator uh, mm-hmm. or somebody or a patient. And those are things that mm-hmm. I learned that helps your comedy, especially in improv. Um, I want to I want to unpack that a little bit Dave I think uh, not everyone knows 
um, improv comedy as much as you know you are obviously.、Mm-hmm. And for folks who are maybe new or you know maybe barely know comedy, they think, oh, you are comedian, or you just make jokes, or you are just funny.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, I for my own you know experience, I found improv comedy in general to be a good. Um, comedian,、mm-hmm. you have to be such a self-aware in terms of who you are and work on yourself. Like you mentioned about whether it's being patient,、um, be good listener. Like it's like a basic life skill, but it's really hard to get better.、Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about what's you kind of insight kind of to share in terms of in that perspective, so folks can know more about comedy overall. Yeah, I think can unpack it a little bit more. I think every successful comedian, whether it's a stand-up or an improviser or an actor.、Um, Or writer doesn't really get better until they're more comfortable with themselves,、um, and they've developed、uh, you know skill sets that、um, allow them to be vulnerable and share、uh, who they really are、uh, with their comedy, and not be afraid of being that vulnerable.、Um, every standup that breaks through, I think. Discovers that, and every improviser that learns how to be patient and listen, and not rush、uh, the moment, and just stay present and in the moment,、uh, mm-hmm. tends to get better at what they're doing and become almost like a master improviser. That's really all it is:、mm-hmm. is you know listening and adding. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and for folks who you know not familiar with improv, we have something called yes and. So basically, it means you have listened to what he or she said, you know, across from you, and yesing that and adding additional juice. Yes, adding in one more thing. That's such an important part that a lot of people forget. Yes, and I think it's just not even improv. Dave, it's like basic life, like friendship, or、yeah. your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, like your kids. Like such an important skill to really foster a relationship with anyone around us, right? Yeah, so that you are not thinking while they're talking, not interrupting、mm-hmm. them. You are listening to what they're saying and responding to what they said after them they're done talking, and you're not adding、mm-hmm. what you're going to say before they're done talking.、And、oh my god, it's so hard! It's so hard! <laughs> it's so hard! And it literally took me fifteen、uh, years to learn how to do that in an improv scene. Was that the hardest life skill you have to learn in order to get the next level? Day, or I think、else? that's the main one for a lot of people is to stop thinking their own thoughts while someone else is talking. Okay, so this you might not have answer for this, but how do you learn it? You said fifteen years practice, but I mean, it, it took the first ten <laughs> to even understand that that was a thing.、Mm-hmm, yeah, awareness. <laughs> you know what I mean? In the next five to get it down.、Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I I don't even know if I would have that kind of insight had I not watched so many improv as much improv as I、mm-hmm. had as well.、Uh, you know,、mm-hmm. a lot. But once you start directing, and I worked at Second City as a director and Boom Chicago as a director,、mm-hmm. I did a lot of auditions, and I probably sat through a thousand auditions、um, in my lifetime. So I've seen people at their most desperate trying to improvise as well. So these are really、mm. good improvisers who fall flat from the audition pressure,、uh, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see even at that level, people's、uh, skill sets turn off.、Um, so tell us a little bit more. Like basically, you said the、uh, the state, the state you're in, kind of affect 
your performance dramatically. Can you tell us a little bit more and how can we kind of implement that in our own life? Oh, sorry, what, what influenced? Uh, the, the state, you mentioned the best improviser that night, he or she could have bad performance because he just not in a good mindset. He, he was desperate or he was mm-hmm. just so, you know, whatever that emotional emotion that he or she was at the moment. I'm curious if you can share some of that, the state, like the mindset, how that, you know, so critical to help. Oh, the concentration. I don't, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that's. So what do you do to make sure you're in a great, uh, great, um, state before you go to audition you go to another important thing yeah i get centered i do breathing exercises i try to pay attention to what the other person is uh saying i'm uh i have a smile on my face i look like i'm happy to be there um (laughs) i uh pay attention i Mm -hmm. make a bold choice but also don't dominate i list i Try to follow somebody else's <laughs> lead, um, and try to I love build on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, try to showcase all the good skill sets that are out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so, f- so mm-hmm. all they want to do is see: Can you yes and? Can you listen? Are you not a monster? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So beautiful. And, and, mm-hmm. and for me, when I get nervous, when I you know before audition before things that are I'm excited or nervous in the same time I would just tell myself I am excited even though I'm nervous mm-hmm. but I think excited is the other side of the coin yeah. I'll be nervous so I tell myself I'm so excited I'm so I cannot wait and I put a big smile on my face and I get actually excited yeah. less nervous yeah smiling helps tricking your body into thinking <laughs> that you're feeling something yeah, actor's tool. You know, we teach it all the time in improv, where people like, I'm like, I you you say that your character is angry, but you're smiling right now. So when mm-hmm. I'm angry. You got to trick your brain into thinking mm-hmm. that this improv scene is really happening to you, and you have to have mm-hmm. the right emotions that would fit this uh, scenario. And not only do you have mm-hmm. those emotions, you have to show those emotions. And so if you if you clench your fists and squish your face, you're going to get mm-hmm. angrier and you're going to feel it because your body is, your muscles are remembering what it feels like to be angry and your brain starts like making choices mm-hmm. for you. Whereas if you're playing a happy character and you throw a smile on your face and you open your eyes real bright and you mm-hmm. naturally start smiling when you're talking, you're going to feel a little mm-hmm. bit happier when you talk and your brain is going to start making choices for you that you do even mm-hmm. expecting so it's really about um pretending you're really there that it's really happening to you would you think it's fair to say that you have to act like one before you become one you have to act like who uh, act like a person before you become that true person uh, so whether it's in comedy or um any other scenarios yeah i mean some people just have a naturally gifted clown-like performance style that they and, like mm-hmm. snap into that. I don't have that. I have to <laughs> literally trick my brain into thinking this is a real life situation. Mm-hmm. And how would I really respond in this situation and then respond that way? Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'm funny enough that what I'll say is also going to be funny. <laughs> yes. I love that Dave. Okay. So this moment you are in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um were you so excited? Do you feel like this is it? Yeah. I made it. This is the big break. I really did. Was that <laughs> How, how does that 
how's that uh, feel? How long it lasts? And what is, <laughs> tell us more about I that. I got there four days before surgery. So December 26th, um, 1999. Wow. Uh, so my fourth day was Y2K. Uh, and it was like a murderer's row of the funniest people I'd ever met, um, including people I knew and some I didn't know. Um, and then over the course, and basically my job there was to watch improv sketch shows and then give notes afterwards and run rehearsals. It was like a dream job. Oh, that's awesome. That's so you. Yeah. Um, and this is a theater that had been in Amsterdam uh, at that point around 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, actually, maybe not, maybe I had seven years at that point. Um, but uh, it already had uh, Seth Meyers had been a cast member there. And mm -hmm. uh, Pete Gross from the Sonic commercials had been a cast member there. And Alison Silverman, who writes for Colbert and uh, The Daily Show uh, for Jon Stewart, she, she had been a performer there. So they were like, they were like, they, they were really good. And um, over the course of two years, you know, I got to hold auditions and hire people uh, like, mm. like Jordan Peele and Jason Sudeikis and Rebecca wow. Drysdale, who's the head writer of The Tonight Show right now. Mm -hmm. Paul Parker from Mad TV and Wicked. Uh, so uh, Kate Cannon, who wrote the uh, Pitch Perfect movies, we got hired together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Josh Myers. It was, it was a murderer's row of really funny, talented people. Colton Dunn from uh, mm -hmm. uh, Superstore. Um, and it was just, and those are just half of the people. There's like another mm -hmm. dozen people who you've never heard of that are just equally as funny. And we mm -hmm. just, we were a team. There was like 14 of us there. And only mm -hmm. five of us had to do the show each night. Um <laughs> That's a hard math. Well, that meant that there was eight people to hang out with in Amsterdam every single night you weren't doing a show. Oh, uh, we nice, had many nice. people because there was a lot of corporate business. Uh, mm -hmm. there, would be mm -hmm. two, there could be two teams of improvisers going to South Holland or Germany uh, while one team named Tonin did the home show where my job mm -hmm. was to watch the home show. Kay Cannon was the away troop, was the away, the away teams. Wow. And uh, Seth Myers was writing our sketch, uh, our corporate sketches um, mm -hmm. from from uh, the United States. Uh, so it was just, it was unbelievable time for two years. And then 9-11 uh, happened. Uh, and the mm -hmm. world economy changed and um, well, uh, people stopped spending freely. Uh, mm -hmm. I went back to Chicago uh, because my... What, was it a hard choice or is it a hard moment for it you was, given that you were just so living a yeah, dream I had a four year plan and I only got two years out of it um, but you know I mean there were hard feelings at the time but there's no hard feelings anymore because I I felt hurt but you know nothing I it was nothing was anything I was doing wrong it was just that you mm. know somebody else uh, one of the original founders had come back and wanted my job and so they gave him his job back which was my Mm -hmm. uh, so I went back to Chicago and um, ended up directing at Second City for a year as well after that. Did, were you happy with that path after comeback? Yeah. Or you, I mean, was it hard for you to let go of that feeling of, you know, I kind of 
really that's your dream job, dream situation, dream everything, and just left. Obviously, it's not really your choice, but it was it hard to let go. Of it、that? was very hard to let go, but you know, directing at Second City was also a dream of mine. So just that that got fast tracked.、Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. Made, was it what you wanted when you come back? Like, you thinking, okay,、I'm、yeah, I made the choice to go back to Chicago instead of going to New York or Los Angeles. Uh, at that time,、mm. so that was a very big turning point in my life.、Um, but had I chosen New York or LA, I don't know if I'd be have the life I have now.、Mm. I went to Chicago and、uh, yeah, worked worked there for a while to try to get to direct、uh, a main. Is it hard? Is it easy for you to just go to Chicago and become director, or was it also no, hard took, to get? It took a couple months for them to hire me.、Um, you know, just tell me about those couple months. Was that? Uh, uh, a friend of mine who used to work at Improv Olympic opened up his own restaurant and theater. Oh,、uh, so、wow! He gave me some work when I got back, helping him build his restaurant. So I would hang out with him, and we literally build the restaurant. We go down, get the grill, install the grill, kind of stuff, sweep the alleyway, build the theater,、um, and then I'd be. He taught me how to cook because、uh, he was a chef.、Uh, so、mm-hmm. I worked the line as a cook. Mm. For a while, and then doing shows. So while you while you're doing your dream. Yeah.、Um, wow. So kind of rebuilding my life in Chicago.、Um, you are so resilient, babe. <laughs> you will just keep going. You're like one thing hit. Okay, that's fine. Did not work out. I'm gonna pack and leave. Head to Chicago. Nothing happened yet. You're gonna. I'm gonna become a chef. Sure, do that. Yeah. Was that hard? Like, how do you kind of get over quote unquote the ego part? Where yeah. Previously, you were that. Artistic director, like a dream job in Amsterdam, and in your mind, you made it. And now, you kind of working in this restaurant as a chef slash, you know, helping and all that. Was that hard to get over that ego piece that we all have? No.、Um, at the time, it was day by day. It was survival.、Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like I don't know where. Mm-hmm. My path forward is so I went back to my old path, which is、mm-hmm. when I was in college. I spent a summer in New York,、uh, thinking I was going to move to New York. But I ran out of money by June, and moved back to Washington D.C.、Uh, so wow, it, that's been a pattern too of like, you know, moving forward and then moving back.、Uh, Were you always comfortable with this? So much ambiguity. Like this one point, you you don't have money, so you go to New York, then you end up D.C. Like.、Mm-hmm. Were you always comfortable with that? No planning, like ambiguity. I wouldn't say comfortable. I would say,、um, uh, huh. I maybe comfortable is the right word. Maybe too comfortable. I don't know. <laughs> Because that is not the easy choice for any other people. I, I don't think I can say that. Right.、Um, I, I just think that. You know, you kind of casually mentioned, right? I mean, I just felt along the way those experiences probably build you the character you are today, which you know, obviously, super calm and loving and really kind of just okay with everything. I'm just curious, is 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 that well, prepare you? There's there's a list of alumni of the Second City,、uh, and it's just like this massive document of all the names that have been directors or、uh, performers, and I just wanted to be on that list so badly. I think why. Because all of my heroes were there, and I just wanted to be on that list. I wanted to、uh, mm-hmm. have my time in Chicago count for something and be able to point to it. And I am on the list now. <gasps> Congratulations! When did you? I directed、this? a show in Cleveland, 
So mm -hmm. sometimes they include the Cleveland names and I'm in that Ooh. list. And so it's very low on the totem pole of alumni, but I am on their website as an alumni. And that's very important. That was when did you find out you were on the list? Just by, you know, well, after Cleveland I directed that list. show, I got on the list. So were you so excited that moment when you find out? It was the first time I saw it, I was really excited. It was really special uh, mm -hmm. to see me uh, in there. And, it, and did you feel that now the choice coming left Amsterdam and come to Chicago is the right choice because of that? That kind of validated you. Yeah, that, totally validated. And I don't think I ever would have found my beautiful wife had I not gone back to Chicago. Oh. Uh, because I don't know how we would have met otherwise. Mm -hmm. Who I met at that Cleveland show, directing that Cleveland show. Is that how you met? Yes, yes. Wow. We met during that during that show. That's beautiful. Okay, so now you're in Chicago. Now you're on the list. You're with all the heroes that you want. <laughs> um, did you feel you made it? And what is next for you? Yeah, I felt I made it until I got fired. <laughs> what do you mean, like fired? I got let go as a director. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. Why? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure. I think. Ouch. Um, that's a weird. I went on a USO tour with my touring yeah. company that I was directing. They sent me to, they sent us to Greece and Italy and Macedonia to do for wow. NATO bases and troops. It was around 2002, 2003, 2003. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a war going on. Uh in the Middle East, but we're in like Southern mm -hmm. Europe. Um, and it did not go well. The tour was not good uh, as far as morale troop mm -hmm. went. I just was not jiving with the cast. I think they complained about me. I got let go when I only got back. Yeah, it hurt. And um, it's okay. So they, I love mm -hmm. all of them. And then, yeah. But at, at this point, wow, you were... Amsterdam, it was that was like a high moment yep. in your life, and you get hit very quickly with you know the let go decision. You go to Chicago, mm -hmm. starting low, and you finally made it on the list, and then you get let go again. Like, how do how how do you not go insane? Like, that's, <laughs> wow! Like, how do you have a superpower to pull through those things? Which that's just wow! Like, that's just in, in, impossible. I think having been broken up with this high school that I loved. And then being broken up with by Boom Chicago, you mm -hmm. know, made getting broken up with by Second City that much easier in the long run. Uh, <laughs> because these are three places that I loved with all of my heart that this yeah. and didn't want me anymore. And it is heartbreaking and it still it still stings. But um, everything that I found since then has been so much more wonderful than everything I thought boom and uh second city and morristown france was going to be for me now looking back dave do you feel that those hardships those challenges were meant to happen so the good things will come out of it like what, what's your philosophy or thoughts around You've, the situation that we, we don't choose to be but sounds like yeah you can have to go through that to get to fail. other side of the life the wins you know, you have to know what you did wrong, so you were determined not to repeat those. But there were times that you did not do anything wrong, like Amsterdam. Well, I mean, it's not. Had I been a stronger director, had I been a uh, uh, had be more knowledgeable about 
comedy at the time, you know, to, to, to not let me go, but I don't think I was as good of a director that they needed at that time. Um, Cause I just hadn't spent that many years learning that craft. Mm-hmm. You just they got started. me, they got me very early in my directing career. And mm-hmm. I got in there, you know, from connections and charm and I auditioned and gotten called back three or four years in a row. So they knew who I was and my best friend mm-hmm. and roommate had gotten hired to the cast and was recommending me. Mm-hmm. And I directed a show and was Nick's assistant director at the same time. So there's a nice buzz about me and I was, you know, I was a pretty good director, but you know, I could certainly have been more experienced at that time. Uh, managing camp. You can't ask for more experience at the moment you were. Yeah. At that I'm, place. I'm going to take the job. I'm going to have the experience. I'm going to move to Amsterdam. I'm going to write out for mm-hmm. as I possibly can. And hopefully I get to like leave here on my own terms. And sometimes you don't. Mm-hmm. That's, that's okay too. You, I'm still going to take everything that I learned and apply mm-hmm. that to the next place, which I did at Second City. And I learned so much there and I took everything that I learned. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then after that happened, I made the decision to move to Cleveland to be with Rachel um, because we had met, we'd been doing long distance uh, for a year. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know mm-hmm. what was next, but I knew that it involved Rachel. So I went to Cleveland and get Rachel out of Cleveland. Oh, that's so beautiful. Wait, but you go to Cleveland, do we have to leave Second yep. City? Oh, you already. Okay, you're like, there was you're no reason for me to be in Chicago anymore. I wasn't going to work mm-hmm. at Second City. So I started realizing the best thing in my life at that point was Rachel. Uh, so mm-hmm. I just went to be with her and figured my life would figure itself out after would that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you and Rachel are such a beautiful couple and you know such a beautiful relationship. I'm curious, Dave, would you? Say you are grateful for those two, three hardship have a lot of a lot of role there for you. Kind of not for you not being forced, but you being left with no choice almost to leave Chicago and therefore you know go to Cleveland. Like, would you say? Yeah, that? I mean, if I didn't have Rachel at that point, I might have moved to LA. I might have moved back to Philadelphia to be with my family. I don't know what I would have done, but um, Rachel was the best thing going for me the time so i just decided that that's Mm -hmm. i wanted to explore that Mm -hmm. (laughs) see where that went um i i just you know love dave i love at this point um in in your experience in your life there's so many things happen and you're the one have that humility having a humbleness to kind of reflecting yourself or maybe i can do better here i can do better there instead of saying oh why me or instead of kind of turning that around and to point finger to others, which is very easy mm-hmm. to do. Um, and I think because of that, you're just being so grounded and having that tremendous self-awareness and able to pivot quickly and move forward. I think that is one of the superpowers that you had. Yeah, the same thing in an improv scene. Sometimes somebody's going to say something that's going to derail the scene and you have to get it back on track and figure out how, mm. how to get the train back on the track. So we can get out of here with a laugh instead of uh, an apology. <laughs> so improv prepare you for that, oh, for, for sure. those turns. For sure. That's incredible. Great. Okay, so now you met Rachel, the love of your life. You guys in Cleveland. So how did you guys get to Austin? Um, we made a list. 
um, we were going to move to LA or Austin. Um, and we made a pros and cons list. She had lived here in the nineties. So Rachel had done comedy sports, short form games here in the nineties and had moved back to Cleveland at wow. the time. And so she's old school. Awesome. <laughs> um, she's one of those unicorns. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she had lived here before and we came down here for a wedding and just, it was beautiful and we loved it. And we found a, a place that was for rent and we have lived in that same apartment since we moved here. Wow. That's beautiful. 2004. Yeah. Got it. So how do you start involved with, you know, Co-Town when you move here? Now you have nothing. You're new, new city. city knew everything how do you know where you even get we started? called the hideout uh theater uh the only game yeah. in town at the time it's anatomy of mm-hmm. and we talked to this guy named andy crouch um yeah, yeah i know yeah, andy. of course andy invited us down and put us in the maestro show we started mm-hmm. doing and we loved it we met all these wonderful sweet people that were doing there's only like mm-hmm. 30 of us <laughs> out of the hideout on Saturday nights, and that was it. That was all the mm-hmm. in town. Um, and then uh, we had some friends from Chicago here. We formed a troupe with them uh, called Tight. And then uh, we evolved into the Frank Mills, I think, and a troupe named Cold Town Heroes uh, came to town from New Orleans. And stayed. Uh, there were Hurricane Katrina evacuees, and they opened up a theater, and they were like our sister troop, and they had a space, and we had teaching experience, so we uh, went with them and helped them open up their space, and that's how we met Cold Town. So Cold Town wow. was a separate troop from us that opened up. Mm. Was it difficult to get started? Uh, yeah, them. I mean, luckily, I didn't have to do much of the work because the true Cold Town ran the theater, and I was just a teacher and performer. Um, and the mm-hmm. Cold Town troop was kind of running the, the show. Um, and then over mm-hmm. the years, you know, it took on more responsibility. And then uh, five years ago, Rachel and I bought into the company, and I've been helping run it ever since. Wow. Is it a natural choice? or? Yeah. It's just naturally, you just, why? What does the cold town mean to you? What does cold town mean to me? Yeah, it's you said, home. you know, sounds like it's a community, it's with everything you wanted. I'm curious about mm. if you had a vision or, you know, idea about that. You know, when you start building it and, you know, five years ago, you decided this is why I want to put my frack down. Yeah, well, I, I just, I love it so much. It's, it's been a home to me for 15 years. Um, and I know how the second city is run. I know how Boom Chicago is run and there are things I like that they do. And there are things that I don't like that they do. I know how the Olympic is run. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've kind of been watching my whole life, how these kind of improv theaters are run and, you know, determined not mm-hmm. to make the same mistakes they did. Um, was it an easy transition for you from an observer to now a doer that five years ago? I think I'd always wanted to be a part of it. I was just never asked until five years ago to share. Wait, how did you ask? Was it just like one of those 
Labor Day Chicago barbecue day that you just asked? Well, it wasn't. I um, no, it was uh, the company was about to fall apart, and uh, uh, the Frank Mills were asked to uh, if we wanted to buy in and help run things because um, it uh, it wasn't being run smoothly. Mm-hmm. So opportunity come came to you, yes. basically. Opportunity came to me, and I was all in because、uh, I wanted. I just I found it to be fun, and it's definitely something I knew how to do already. And was it fun journey since then? Yeah, I mean it's very hard and it's very time consuming, and I spend. What is hard about it? Tell us more.、Uh, there are things that you need to learn how to do and how to handle. About running a place like this, that is not anything you would ever expect.、Um, there are things community wide、um, that are of a sensitive nature that you have to handle and deal with、uh, behind the scenes.、Mm-hmm. Uh, there's、mm-hmm. property taxes and sales tax. <laughs> the business side, business and the community side, side, the financial side. Community side,、mm-hmm. the safety side, the permitting side, and these have nothing、yeah. to do with making somebody laugh on stage. Would that was this? Did you anticipate those, or this is kind of like a surprise in a way? You obviously know this, but you was wasn't prepared in a way.、Um, I knew. I didn't realize the extent of、mm. how much there is to do that takes up so much of my free attention, where it. Do you like that? Because at、um, that point, at this point, you obviously the one love directing the show, love making people、yeah. laugh. You wasn't passionate about property taxes. Like, how do you kind of just? I mean, somebody, somebody has to do it. And if we, if I want a place to play, I got someone's got to, someone's got to do it. So it's part、mm-hmm. of the job of being the owner、uh, mm-hmm. of making sure it happens. You know, in these times, it's、mm-hmm. really hard. Because there is there are no shows right now, there are there are no yeah.、Shows. Tell us more about you know kind of like how's the impact of pandemic and things yeah. Like the、that. whole business model is based off of people congregating in small rooms in the same circle and、mm-hmm. yelling and spitting at each other. <laughs>、um, yeah. So that's、mm-hmm. on hold until there's a vaccine. How how does that impacting? The business and you yeah, and I mean, incredibly, we're probably earning maybe a tenth or maybe as much, maybe as much as a fifth of what we were making before.、Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to reduce staff salaries. We've had to cut back a lot on any expense we can. Yeah, we've、mm-hmm. lost one of our spaces. We're down to one space that the building's just been put up for sale, so we don't even know where that's going to happen. So,、oh、yeah, oh my god. Is is that the is that DVD store right yeah, next to it? Yeah,、uh, the whole building's up for sale. <gasps> oh, so oh my, you know,、goodness. we we might have three or six months or twelve months left in that space, but we probably won't have that space in a year. Um, we might get some shows if there's a vaccine in time、wow. to have a proper goodbye, but we don't. We just don't know. We just don't know. So you know, we have enough in savings that we were saving up to move anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. That we think we'll be able to reopen somewhere else, but right now we are、mm-hmm. doing shows online on our Twitch channel on YouTube. We're teaching classes over Zoom. We're doing uh, uh, corporate trainings. We're doing 
diversity and inclusive sensitivity trainings uh, to businesses mm -hmm. um, to kind of keep uh, the fire going until there's a vaccine. Yeah. Wow. That, that's, that's a lot. And thank you, Dave, uh, for mentioning those resources. I want to make sure include those links below so folks, if you're interested, can uh, check it out. And Dave, just uh, want to, you know, have a little call on the, the business, uh, the, the corporate training side or uh, diversity uh, training, all that. And for me, you know, just to little advertising here, like I love improv because how uh, inclusive this community always is we always you know want to be kind and sensitive mm -hmm. and respectful of all of us so innately because of improv nature um, the community is built on that and I think um, it's just so much so much um, I think the business world or the outside world can also learn and gain insight from so can you tell us a little bit more about you know, corporate training or diversity or why people wanted to take a training any can I just share with folks with people who maybe now even know or never heard yeah. of improv. So we will um, do work, uh, trainings for your uh, staff or personnel uh, about how to listen, how to be a team, how to uh, uh, do a sales pitch, how to uh, have open uh, uh, communication, uh, verbal and nonverbal communication skills and uh, we've also just recently developed this uh, diversity and inclusivity sensitivity training for uh, businesses. We've uh, done it for two different businesses so far. Uh, and it's been like a comprehensive uh, 360 analysis of uh, through improv skill sets, how to recognize your unconscious bias at your company uh, and um, taking a look at your uh, culture making, mm -hmm. uh, you know, doing exercises with improv fundamentals to kind of uncover some of these things and develop a plan moving forward for your company. So that's been um, one new thing that Rachel and Tari, uh, our new mm -hmm. owner, uh, has uh, have developed over the last couple of months and it's been very successful so far. That's beautiful. Yeah. And, and Dave, you've already done so many training and, you know, uh, meeting with different um Falls along the year. What is what do you think is the one biggest uh, nugget or one biggest thing that you know normal day to day people who are not comedian, not improv, can take from improv? Like why you know I'm thinking is it one thing? Is it be a better listener? Is it be better be awareness? Uh, like you mentioned about the diversity piece, or yeah. is it just what, what is there one thing that you felt like folks can start being pay attention and be more aware of? who they themselves yeah there's so many things uh in improv that turn you into a better person i think everybody has maybe four or five serious character flaws <laughs> tell us more uh, you know we, all the things we've been talking about you know maybe a bad listener you might mm -hmm. be a bad collaborator you might be a bad follower mm -hmm. you might be a bad leader so not a bad leader but you know mm -hmm. someone who's not comfortable with leading um and there's different things in improv that teaches you all these different skills that handle like the 13 or 14 of them that are out there uh you will become mm -hmm. a much better person as well because there's a lot mm -hmm. of zen to improv and once you kind of like learn uh mm -hmm. the different skill sets uh it makes it so much easier certainly collaboration mm -hmm. is chief among them mm -hmm. and i have to 100 percent agree guys um if you know me i i love love improv improv for me is 
you know, the, the connection with me, myself, and people around me, and the world. I just, I, I love that. And um, Dave, I just love that, you know, I felt along the way, your passion to comedy, to improv is kind of not just, you know, to master the game that you mentioned earlier, but also kind of master on yourself. Sounds mm-hmm. like along the year, along the journey, you um, get better and better um, every single day, every single mm-hmm. day. Is that true? And how, who do you think you become <laughs> after this, you know, 20, 30 years of comedy journey? Who have I become? First of all, yes, it is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but who I've become. I, 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 I can, otherwise. you know, sure. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I don't go know ahead. who I would have been otherwise. I think, uh, oh. um, I do know, uh, that improv has led me towards some of the funniest and best people I've ever met in my life. And it's Mm -hmm. helped me laugh every single day. And it's uh, (laughs) it's helped me get married to a beautiful, very funny, talented woman. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so I, it's given me everything. It's so yeah, beautiful. It's nice. It's I I love that day. We just kind of follow the heart, follow the joy, follow what really made made your heart sparkle. And I I think that is so beautiful. And I also want you to acknowledge that you know have this journey, right? Obviously, this is not ending here. But just hear you, you your life story. You know, one thing after another. It's not like oh, you become the over like you become such a great incredible improviser overnight is you know one thing at a time like you mentioned about the 10,000 swing and also there's so many setbacks along the way whether it's the 911 or today's pandemic but you just have this resiliency to able to pivot pack up and just now okay now what instead of um do dwell on what happened now you can able to do that okay now this is opportunity you're going to develop this workshop that opportunity this and that I think that's just such a admirable characteristics of who you are i think it's just incredible i want to point one thing out though it's not about not dwelling on that thing dwelling on Mm -hmm. it just long enough to learn from it and not take it emotionally or personally you know Mm -hmm. it's important to dwell on it that's why we have things like postmortems in theater production Mm -hmm. because we want to like meet after the production's over and talk about what we could have done differently and you still have to do that part to dwell on it it's not mm-hmm. about ignoring it. It's just learning from it. Mm-hmm. I like that message. I love the message so much because I think right now in this period of time is still, you know, so much uncertainty out there. So many, um, you know, separation. And, you know, I think that just leads a lot of, you know, anxiety and unhappiness, really. So I think that message is so beautiful to say, you know, hey, it's okay to dwell on the moment, but just know that there's a time limit. And once you hit there, and time to move on. Whether that time for you, whether it's a month or a day, a week, yeah. whatever that Live is. Live with the disappointment and then grow from it. But don't, <laughs> don't ignore the disappointment. Don't get angry at the disappointment. Just feel it. So you don't make sure you don't want to feel it again. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Um, well, Dave, this is so amazing. Thank you for help kind of us unfold, unpack really your journey, which is so gorgeous. Um, I'm curious, you know, to today, like what, what inspired you? Like now you really have a journey of lifetime and you've done so much, you've seen so much. 
you experienced so much. Today, what what inspired you? What what made you happy? Is it still the improv, or has it ever changed? I mean, I think I I like being a teacher and director because I like helping other people on this journey as well. I think it's a important journey,、mm-hmm. and I I love comedians. I love young comedians. You know, people <laughs> who are just learning how to do this stuff, and it's the world needs more laughter,、mm-hmm. and the world needs more laugh makers. Yes. So, you know, I'm. I'm in the trenches training the army of comedians for future generations, and、mm-hmm. I take a lot、wow. of pride in that. And then that's where I landed. So you are in this mission to bring the light to this world. Yeah, we're only here for a little while, so I want to get going. <laughs> It's so beautiful, Dave. Like I am just so beyond honored to able to be, you know, one of your students and learn all those wisdoms not only in class or outside of class. I think every time I talk to you, I always felt inspired, and I felt I become a better person because I, you know, all the lessons I learned from you. So I'm just so grateful, and I think you're doing such an incredible, incredible thing. I am just beyond beyond. Well, when I have to say, you're also a very good improviser. Like really, really superb. You're very honest. You're very, you're such a good listener,、um, and you're such a light on stage、uh, with a voice and a story that does not exist、uh, in Austin improv, let alone most、uh, anywhere else in the country.、Um, and it is such a joy to watch you improvise and improvise with you.、Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. You know,、um, for me, improv is the only thing. Turn the noise in my head down. Like people, when people they go do yoga, they、yeah. play golf, they run. I mean, all that stuff. It doesn't affect me. Only improv. Therefore, I um I miss improv so so much. And obviously, you can do Zoom and all that, which is great. But obviously, Dave, you know, it's not exactly the same.、Right. So, I'm just so honored today to share your story,、uh, Dave. I want to really. Um, help unpack that story so I can show it to people that you can follow your heart and you can follow your passion. And I think you're doing such an amazing, amazing thing in Austin with the Cold Town Theater. I want to share that story so folks can you know support, folks can you know participate and help because you build such a beautiful community here. So inclusive, everyone felt part of a big family. It's small, and yeah, you know, so 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 beautiful. I just I just felt when I first. Stepping the the you know little theater two years ago, I just felt so home, and I just told my husband, "This is it. I, I we can't we have to come here." And、um, I've been involved you know Kota ever since. I, I just I'm just so so grateful. So thank you for for everything you do, and thank you for being here.、Uh, thank you for having me, Wen. This is a real pleasure. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I look forward to see you guys next time. Thank you, guys. <laughs> What do、That、you think,、great. Dave? That's great. Do you、yeah. like it? Is everything you wanted to say? You think you had to be sure? Yeah, I think so. I think it's everything. Awesome. Oh my God! What a journey, Dave. That is incredible. Thank you again for your time. I'm just so beyond beyond honor. Thank you. Since you are a teacher and you are, you know, you like directing. Any feedback? <laughs> you think I can do better? Because I am very new to podcasts, but I like to share the story. I think so many stories are untold in the world that deserve to be to be heard. So that's my mission. Good. I love it.
Oh, great. Do you have any kind of feedback in terms of how can I do better? Uh, uh, no, I think it was, I, I, I think you did a great job. You pulled a lot of stuff out of me. <laughs> was it hard, by the way? Was it hard? No, you? I, you know, um, okay. I think I did okay. You did great. No, you did wonderful. I just, I, I, I know sometimes my question could be a little hard. <laughs> but I like to be, you know, ask those hard questions. I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave. Um, I'm going to drop a description in the podcast, including all the link. Uh, would you mind share with me? Uh, I obviously know Kotong, uh, the website. And can you show me all the link that you want me yeah. to include, whether it's the Twitch and all the, you know, different platform and the class you mentioned, especially the, the corporate trainings and the diversity training you mentioned. Um, is there anything else, Dave, I can do to support you? Uh, no, I'm going to send you some links and that'd be great to add it into the description. Oh, okay, sounds great. Well, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate you. I could not wait uh, to share that life with you just in a few hours. Thank you. Of course. Have a beautiful day, Dave. Thank you so you too. much. When does this go up? Um, I don't, um, couple hours tonight or tomorrow? Oh, great. Oh, Morning. Awesome. I will let you know. I will send you a link right okay. away when I'm ready. Okay. And I will make sure you like the description and everything okay. before you like it. So don't worry. <laughs> All right, Dave. Okay. Anytime you need me, call me, test me, I am me. I'm right here. I'm here to support yeah. you. So thank you yeah. again. Okay. Have a great night. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>